and welcome to another exciting edition of The Partial Historians. I am Dr. Greenfield, one of your excellent hosts, and sitting beside me, looking glamorous... <laughs> Dr. G, you, you shouldn't compliment me. I go bright red. <laughs> you have curls. I know, I know. I am Dr. Rad, a coffeeless Dr. Rad, which I'm realising now is not a wise move. But nonetheless, I am excited. Well, the Romans didn't have coffee, and look how far they got. Exactly. I'm excited enough without coffee for this episode, because we had such a big change last episode. Oh, look. The things that happened. I know. I'm going to leave you with a quick recap. (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to give a quick recap. So a quick recap was, after almost, it seemed, some sort of civil brawl, maybe even civil war, dare I say it, uh, where they were fighting about, um, the patricians and the plebeians were fighting about who was going to get the right to elect tribunes? Ah, which assembly was it going to be? And finally, the Senate actually ended up giving in a little bit, and the plebeians actually now have the right to elect the tribunes in their voting assembly. Oh my god! Oh, the com- not the instead of the comitia. I never say this correctly. Curiata. Curiata. I was going to always say curata. Curiata. It's now going to be the Comitia Tributa. Hello. Yeah. Small steps forward. Exactly, yeah. And this was, of course, with the noted exception of Appius Claudius, son of the Appius Claudius, who's made himself such a painful part of our podcast so far. But I think that's where we're up to, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. And we're still in the consulship yes, of are. Appius Claudius Sabinus, son of yes. Appius Claudius. <laughs> yeah. And the apple does not fall far from that tree. And <laughs> I think we should change that too. The Appius doesn't fall far <laughs> from the tree. Oh, yeah, I went there. Oh. I went there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Appius Claudius is sharing the consulship with Titus Quintius mm. Capitolinus Barbatus. Who seems to be much more moderate in his views, which is why I think the Civil War didn't really happen. He, he managed to pull it back from the brink. Yeah, look, he's yeah. playing the nice guy and it's working out for him. The people currently love him. Yeah, and the patricians are okay with him. They're feeling pretty thankful that he prevented them from, you know... Killing everyone. <laughs> Being murdered in the streets. Exactly, yeah. So it's all looking, it's all looking, everything's coming up roses. For the plebeians, anyway. <laughs> well, hold that thought. Yeah. Because now that we've settled this, like, really intense discussion about where the tribunes are going to be voted in from, which is not the real question that the tribunes have had on the table for the past, I don't know, 15 or so years. That's true. It should have been the agrarian law we were talking yes, about. Yes, but yeah. side issue. Yeah. Um, asterisk, how about this? Yeah. Patricians throw you a bone, will they be happy? Well, mine, mine have gone a bit like overboard because in Livy's account, after talking about Appius's opposition to this whole shenanigan, um, he talks about the very first time that tribunes were elected by an assembly of the people, and it seems that they have elected five Instead of the original two, according to Livy. Ooh. I know. That's an increase. Yeah, they're obviously excited. They're getting totally carried away, just like the patricians thought they would. And I'll have you, and you can be a tribute, and you can be a tribute. Like Oprah. You can be a tribute, and you can be a tribute, and you can be a tribute. Yes, we've got quite a a list of names here. Would you like to hear them? Oh, please. Hit me with names. Caius Sicinius, Lucius Numatorius, Marcus... I think it's Julius, Spurius Aesilius, and Lucius Massilius. 
Ah, oh, so many names. I'm never going to be able to keep track of all of these tributes. Well, luckily you don't have to, because it seems they accomplish remarkably little. <laughs> surprise, surprise. At least in Libby. How about Dionysius? Look, they don't even get a mention at this Ooh, point. Whoa, whoa. Uh, we're still deep in you know, when internal politics is going well, uh, external politics rears its ugly head. Well, see, immediately after this election business, Livy does go on to tell me that there is trouble once again with the Aquii and the Volsci. Yes, I, I concur. Excellent. Dionysius is with you there. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, so what's happening in Dionysius? Well, they decide that now that all of the plebeians are back on side again, everyone's yes. like, woo, I can choose my own tribune. Yeah. And they're like, so how about signing up to the army? And they're like, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they do that. And Quintius is given uh, control of going after the Aquii. Right. So he's heading east with some forces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this means Appius is heading southeast towards the Volskii. Excellent. Divide and conquer. Yeah. And the way that Dionysius of Halicarnassus positions this sort of stuff is that essentially everything goes remarkably well for Quintius as oh, consul. Interesting. Because of his fairness and moderation ah, yes. as a human being. This is also a theme in mind. I, I think it actually comes down to an issue that is still very relevant to us today, Dr. G. How best do you, how do you best get what you want from your employees? Do you use positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement? Or do you use a little of both? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that, so in a way, I actually was rather amused watching this because I was thinking of my students and going, hmm. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I feel like there's a lesson in here somewhere. <laughs> what could it be? Exactly. Yeah. So everything goes remarkably well for Quintius. Um, everybody's very happy to follow his leadership. Yeah, they do exactly they, what he says. Yeah. When he says, run at the enemy, boy, do they run. And yeah. when he says, take that booty, they take all the booty they can. And everybody's... they shake it and they shake uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and everybody is very pleased and goes home and he looks illustrious in the eyes of all his fellow patricians. Yeah. That's, oh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, I'm, I think I know where you're going with this, which is that Appius has exactly the opposite experience. How could it be possible? I know. How can you be really mean to the plebeians all the time and tell them that they're pieces of dirt and say that everything they do is illegal and wrong and then expect them to fight for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the one thing I want to mention before we start talking about Appius and all the marvellous things that he accomplishes with the plebeians um, is that Livy actually has this really interesting detail when he talks about the um, the issues with the Aquine and the Volsci in that... He says that they start attacking Roman territory because they thought the plebeians might actually secede from the state and seek refuge with them. And so that's why they chose that moment to attack, which I thought was very interesting. Curious. I know, I know. How much stock do you put into this one? Look, I know that it's unlikely that that was, you know, ever going to happen, but there's a lot of talk of secession in Livy's account. You know, Appius said all right, fine, if you want the plebeians to vote for the tribunes, you go right ahead. But personally, I think this is worse than the first secession. So it's obviously on Livy's mind that the plebeians are going to, you know, leave. And I don't know, I guess maybe, maybe Livy's just trying to underline exactly how bad the state of affairs had become. But I just find it interesting that he actually thought it was, you know, that bad that they were going to leave. Especially because, as you said, it wasn't even about the agrarian law. 
it was about the right to vote. So I don't know. It just I just had to I had to mention it. Yeah, it's yeah. really fascinating because certainly Dionysius doesn't make any overt connections between what's happening in this period and what happened in the first secession. Yeah. Not yeah. yet. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> You're trying to hint something, Dr. G. No, I just haven't read that far ahead right. of the material. <laughs> okay. Cover your bases. Uh, uh, I like it. Okay, uh, so sorry. I just had to mention that before we go into Appius. In Livy's account, Appius... Okay, so he's obviously head of his army. Um, but now that he's not dealing with political matters and he is in the military realm, it seems that he's even more of a douchebag because he feels more freedom to, I guess, be blunt and you know issue orders and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the ordery guy. You've got to follow my orders. And everyone's like, I don't know if I want to. And he's like, yeah, but that's the way armies work. Yeah. They're like, uh... Well, you definitely get the feeling that it's, it's hate-hate, not love-hate, because obviously with the whole you know election thing, Appius is going into this, in my account anyway, with a certain degree of hatred for the plebeians in the first place. I think he's actually relishing the opportunity to show them that he thinks they are lower than scum. They are the scum between his toes. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, well. Definitely. And again, Livy underscores, it's even worse than it was with his father. <laughs> well, look, that wouldn't be hard at this point. I exactly. Mean, yeah. Everybody's been, nobody's quite come out as strongly against the plebeians no. than Appius Claudius for, Appius for quite some time. Everybody's just been obfuscating and delaying. And he's like actively like, I dislike you entirely I just find as it interesting. a category of people. Well, for someone who was so reluctant to get involved in politics in the first place. At least. Now that he's in, he's in deep. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he, he, is, he is going to town. Well, so according to Dionysius's account, yeah. the troops that are under Appius start to play coward deliberately. Yeah. They treat him with contempt yeah and they refuse to follow his orders when he wants them to engage in battle this actually works against them because then they start to die of course um, <laughs> they so, to realize that he's ordering them around for a reason <laughs> yes yeah the centurions so the, the these men who are in a reasonable position of command and also the ante signati uh, Signani, yeah. the guys that hold the standards and go before the standards, sure. yeah, yeah. they're all throwing away their standards yeah. and the centurions are refusing to relay the order to their men and saying, look, don't follow, don't do this thing. We're wow. not advancing. Yeah, and the standards are obviously really important in ancient warfare because that's how you know where your people are. That's, 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 where is my dude? Yeah. <laughs> That, that's where I'm located. That's, that's my area of the field. Yeah. yeah. Stay with the flag. Yeah, exactly. It's really, um, really important. And also, you know, we talked about this before, they also hold a certain kind of, like, like, almost like sort of spiritual significance in terms of, you know, embodying a, yeah. the... Sorry, yeah. Yeah, they have a very symbolic sort of function yeah. um, for the troops and a sort of a luck... Uh, aspect comes into play as yeah. well. Like, like you don't the, want to lose your standards. Exactly, yeah. To the points where the Romans will go to war just to get back the standards. Like this piece of wood or whatever it is. Wood, it's, I'm presuming. Yeah, I assume <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine yeah. if they made it out of lead? The poor guy yeah, carrying exactly, the standard would yeah. be like, I'm Absolutely. very tired. Yeah. I'm not advancing any further. We must curve here. Yeah, so for them to be throwing away is crazy. And that's exactly what Livy says. He talks about how Appius is incredibly strict and harsh with the troops. And in return, the army cannot be shamed they cannot be bullied they cannot be ordered to do anything properly they're going about everything in a super half-hearted half-assed manner and it gets to the point in my account where you know appius is harsh treatment and you know he keeps making it harsher and harsher it's clearly getting nowhere so eventually he just throws his hand up and he's like you know what forget it i don't want to talk to the soldiers anymore it's all a centurion centur- 
Centurion's fault. They've corrupted my forces. And he starts calling them Valero as like a burn. Oh. He's like, oh, hello, Valero. It'd be like him saying, I suppose, hello, douchebag asshat. <laughs> I remember your face. You're one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And he also, he okay. also yeah. Um, he's also starting to throw around the turn of like, you know, tribunes, like they're troublesome. And yeah, so he's, he's trying to be clever. <laughs> Goodness me. Things, things do go downhill fast. Yeah. Um, I certainly have accounts of some of the troops pretending to be wounded, even when they're not hilarious as one of the ways of getting out like of it. a soccer match. They're like, <laughs> yeah. So they've wound themselves up in bandages and they're like, ah, my arm. <laughs> yeah. I can't move it for at least three days. And Appius is like, I know you're lying to me. And they're like. Ah, my arm. <laughs> um, so that's a problem. And basically, they have to retreat. And it's done really messily because nobody's following his orders. Mm. And he doesn't achieve any kind of victory. And as soon as he has the opportunity to do so, yeah. he goes about inflicting the harshest repercussions upon the whole force. Oh, yeah. So... Everybody um, who was a centurion who had run away, anybody who had thrown down a standard, Mm. um, are beheaded with an axe or beaten to death with rods. So the traditional scourging to death. Neither sound pleasant, I'm going to... (laughs) And I'm I'm not entirely sure if this is... Because I'm trying to remember correctly, but this is also a moment where Dionysius emphasizes that decimation is also enacted yeah i kind of got that feeling as well and i'm like is this the the first moment of decimation that i've seen in dionysius of halicarnassus or have i got one somewhere tucked in the back history of some former episode that i can't quite recall honestly can't remember (laughs) yeah i can't remember either it would have to be an early example of decimation this is a really early example of decimation and I think the thing is, whenever the plebeians have been unhappy before, it's mostly been about, you know, enlisting to serve rather than, you know, too many other troubles on their minds. So, yeah, them being this unhappy in the field, I don't think we've ever seen this level of, you know, disobedience. Like, it's crazy. Like, they're, they're, they're risking their own lives. And the Volskians, in my, like Libby says quite openly, the Volskians are not letting up at all because they're totally aware of everything that's going on, apparently. <laughs> of course, they've got their moles and whatever. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> a Volskian mole, you say. <laughs> Ow, my arm, it's yeah. injured. <laughs> yeah, so the Volskians apparently are somehow magically aware of everything that's happening. So they're not you know, letting up at all. And for the Romans to yeah, be half-assing it this much and letting themselves be killed rather than obey their general, I mean, it is crazy. I think this yeah. gives us a sense of just how much Livy and Dionysius want to emphasize the hatred that's starting to build between the plebeians and the patricians. For sure. Focus through Appius Claudius yeah. at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got exactly the same sorts of punishments as you. Um, and then I, yeah, the beheading, the beating with rods, and then decimation ordered for the rest of the army. And this sound, I mean, decimation is it becomes a really uncommon punishment because it is so freaking harsh. Ooh, so yeah. what is decimation? Ah, okay, I'm glad you asked. So basically, uh, when you've got a group of soldiers that haven't been doing what they're supposed to, the idea is that to restore discipline within them, um, every tenth man is going to be executed, and usually it's drawn by lot. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty unpleasant because... I guess the idea behind it is that you're punish, like, punishing the army, but you don't want to kill the, all of the, the men who are disobedient because that would defeat the purpose. <laughs> so instead, you're showing them 
what could happen to them. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's pretty bad as well because it's also a bonding mechanism, as horrific as this is going to sound, for mm. the people who choose the stone, which is not the one for execution, because their task then is to execute is the, guy, to execute yeah. the yeah. guy who picks out yeah. the token. There's actually a really, um, I mean, typically <laughs> stars version of this from the Spartacus Blood and Sand series. I don't know if you remember. I think it was the final season when um, Crassus's God, that's a mouthful. Crassus's son. <laughs> um, he's, I think it was either him who was chosen or like his lover who was chosen. Either way, one of them has to beat the other to death as part of this decimation process. And even though it's obviously got, you know, way too much blood and, and all that kind of stuff, um, and the music's very dramatic, it does, it really brought home to me like how awful this would be. Yeah, seeing it actually unfold. Because, again, it's not the kind of thing that you often would see portrayed in like a movie or something about Yeah, and actually yeah. I don't think I ever want to see something like that. I do recall the scene, um, not in vivid detail, but I do recall having well, seen it. I guess it kind of highlights what I was just saying. In that, So this is obviously, um, if we're talking about the Spartacus TV show, it's talking about the Spartacus Revolt, which happens in the late Republic. And when Crassus did order decimation of some of the forces under him when he was trying to defeat Spartacus, it was considered to be a super harsh and archaic sort of punishment. So it just goes to show how even by then, by the late Republic, we're not even in the Empire, it had sort of fallen out of favour as a, a way of restoring discipline because it was just seen as being, you know, quite full on. Yeah. yeah. Well, but it's not full on if your name is Appius Claudius. <laughs> and we're in the early Republic, not and the late it's Republic, when people got circa yeah. for 71 BCE. Exactly, yeah. And Bring your it troops on. hate you for good reason. Yeah, bring it um, on, yeah. So as unjust as it might seem, um, we have these two armed forces. One does quite well, nobody's decimated. The other does quite poorly, there's a lot of decimation. Yeah. And that <laughs> seems to be the end of the year as far as Dionysius is concerned. Yeah, no, I think I think that's uh, pretty much where Livy is too. It's obviously the focus is very much on the, the very different relationships that the, the two consuls have with their sections of the army. Um, Interestingly, though, uh, it is noted in Livy that the um, under Quintus, when he had like you know his big victory and that sort of thing, the the Romans secure their largest booty ever to date, and this is given to the soldiers, uh, which he says is almost as valuable as the praise that they get from Quintius. So, Oof. yeah, I know, oh, right? Nothing it's, like a bit of praise from my consul. <laughs> Get me all hot and bothered under my, my leather. Who needs land allotment when I got this amount of praise? <laughs> Usually it's just because I've been, you know, killing people. But, <laughs> am I embarrassed? <laughs> I don't even know how to pick up this gold bowl. Well, I mean, it must be pretty It must be pretty good for them to have... I mean, for this to be their, their largest booty ever. Like, <laughs> Did they find some people that they haven't encountered I before? Don't, I don't know what's going I'm on. I'm surprised there's any yeah. booty left in know, all of the I region, mean, to be I don't honest. Know, I don't know what he's talking about here, but nonetheless, I'm sure the gesture is appreciated. <laughs> Drawing yeah. that contrast narratively wise between these two consuls, really right it, down to the fine details, I think, as well. Well, I think, and Livy also mentions that the soldiers start to think better of the patricians as a whole just because of spending some time with Quintius. Mm. Yeah, they're like, you know what? You're not so bad. <laughs> I've been prejudiced against you. And I now see that you, with all your riches and your mansions, you're not so bad. I, I was I was wrong about you guys. <laughs> Curious. Yeah. And then you get home, you're like, uh, so where's Lucius? Yeah. Look, he never came back from the war. <laughs> what happened? 
decimation. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh. I feel like it, the way that Livy explains it, I feel like it's a really paternalistic like explanation. Let me just read out the exact wording. <clears throat> The troops returned home in better temper towards their general and on the general's account towards the patricians, also declaring that the Senate had given to them a parent, to the other army, a master. It's like sickly sweet. This could be a Cadbury's commercial. They should have a bunch of box of roses and be like, thank you very much for the care you've taken. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very, very much. <laughs> I just vomited a little bit in my mouth. Yeah. For non-Australian listeners, that was a very long running commercial for roses, chocolates in Australia. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Dark times. <laughs> or milky times, depending on your preference. Yeah, and Livy sort of finishes up the year by talking about how so this whole voting assemblies affair is wrapped up by saying that actually it didn't give much advantage to the plebeians at all. But more significantly, the loss of dignity that the patricians sustain is deep. It's a deep gash. <laughs> oh, yes. Slow burn. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And we'll see just how deep that gash runs yeah. as we move into the next year of politics. Yeah. So it is now around about circa 470 BCE. Ooh. Ooh. Decade. We've got another decade under our belt. <laughs> I know. It's very exciting. Yeah. Our consuls for this year, Lucius Valerius, consul for the second time, mm. and Tiberius Aemilius Mamercus, yeah. consul for the first time. Love me some Mamercus. Mm. <laughs> okay, so in this particular year, we have got, again, agrarian law problem in my account. We How do. about you? Oh, no, not yet? Oh, okay, no, yes, we, we do have agrarian issues for sure. Um, I just want to flesh out a little bit of the, um, no, the please, consul's yeah. characteristics, where they're coming from. Cool. Um, it's yeah. going to become quite pertinent to how they deal with things. Okay. So when I say Lucius Valerius is consul for the second time, yes. he was formerly consul in 483 yes. BCE, and he got that consulship on the back of being the Quaestor Parachidii of 485, ah. connected with the trial and execution of our great man, Spurius Cassius. I had not thought about that job <laughs> in a long time. Yeah, it's been a few <laughs> yeah, years. So yeah. he's, he's back on the scene. Yeah. Um, and really, in the popular mind, and yeah. when we say popular, we mean plebeian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's connected with putting on trial and executing one of the champions um, mm. of the plebeians. Co-inky-dink? To some degree. I think not. <laughs> um, so it seems that having stirred up the popularity to get Appius Claudius in there, the patricians, there seems to be at least one faction of patricians pushing for a more conservative and traditional candidate mm. um, to follow up. Well, I guess it's hard to find someone who's quite as anti-plebeian as Appius Claudius it's a tough act to follow. So. It is. But, you know, let's let's choose this guy and see what happens. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so, Tiberius Aemilius Mamercus, you might be like, well, he's consul for the first time, can't be that interesting. Yeah. Um, but he does have a bit of an axe to grind with the patricians. Yeah, I get the feeling that he's going to be far more amenable to the plebeian cause. Yes, yes. Yeah. He's angry because his dad was denied a triumph. Oh, oh well. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that, that, that gives you all the cause in the world to finally you know, turn coat on your own class and sidle on over to the plebeian side of things. Oh, and I like it. So now we're deeper into the history. You can start to see the generational anger build. Yeah. So rivalry. Tiberius's <laughs> father is apparently, according to Dionysius, can't be verified any other way, yeah. um, 
Lucius Aemilius Mamercus, consul of 484. I do remember that name. Mm. Yeah, I definitely remember the Mamercus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's consul three times, 484, 78, and 73. So quite recently, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was during his 78 consulship where he took on the glamping um, of the Tyrrhenians. Ah, the glamping, <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> took on the glamping Tyrrhenians, yeah, overcame yeah. them, and then was allowed by the Senate to negotiate his own peace, which he did on very favourable terms. That's right. Yes, and then when he yes. turned around and asked for his triumph, because he had secured a victory. They were like, uh, 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 you were supposed to be meaner yeah. in the truce. <laughs> Didn't you get the memo? We do not like them. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, uh, maybe you should just go and help out the other consul with his army now. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I'm outraged. Loser. <laughs> so he is still stinging from that. So even though it was around about eight years ago, mm, um, Tiberius, yeah. the son, is like, oh boy, <laughs> now's my time. Well, this is just what the patricians are like. I mean, it's all about you know, competing for the family honors, glory. Exactly, and the glory. And if you don't get that, well. Well, exactly. I mean, this is where the plebeians can potentially, you know. Work it, work it, baby. <laughs> yeah, and they seem to really quite work it. So yeah. the question of land allotment comes back on the table. Aha! Now Surprise! We're, now we're back on here, yeah. And it seems that both Tiberius and Valerius are quite amenable to thinking about, you know, uh, terms maybe actually, and conditions. Yeah, maybe actually doing something about this, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got to mention here that uh, Appius Claudius, who is uh, vocally opposing the agrarian law and defending those who are on the public land at this point in time. Yeah, so even though he might not be consul, it is almost as though he were a third consul because he's being such a douche <laughs> and getting him so involved. And of course, the Pleiadians are still hating him so, so very much. <laughs> um, and so he actually has a trial brought against him in my account. Do, is this, does this crop up in your account? Ooh. Well, I mean, I think it might, but like a lot further down the track. Okay, I'll let you, I'll let you fill in, because I, I thought Dionysius might have more detail before diving into a Oh, uh, look, Dionysius, he thrives on detail. Um, so I suppose the real question that I have about Dionysius' account at this point is he sets up the start of the year with the two consuls. He gives these background details. Yeah. He tells us that both consuls are relatively open to this idea of the land reallotment being enacted actually done yeah which is crazy <laughs> but it's not it's not really clear why valerius would agree to that yeah like he doesn't really doesn't seem like the type yeah yeah historically it yeah. hasn't been his bag to no. throw it in with the plebeians no. so where, where has the change of heart come from yeah, yeah yeah um so but even more suspicious um, Dionysius says that the tribunes of this year mm. trust him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me very curious. I don't um, understand. <laughs> I don't understand. And no. I feel like this, this tells me that there are lots of holes potentially in Dionysius's account right now. That mm. he's trying to weave everything together because it's not sufficiently clear why Valerius would care about plebeian regard no. or why the tribunes would trust him and it's for this year that this huge list of tribunes comes up yeah okay gotcha gotcha yeah, yeah. so we've got all of these names and we don't know how any of them really connect to anything yeah. necessarily yeah um but apparently they're on board and they're so the consuls are like let's go and talk to the senate and see what we can do and yeah. everyone's like okay Talk to the Senate. That'd be nice. <laughs> you know, the Senate, a bastion of open-mindedness. Yes, they're always keen to hear what we have to say. <laughs> so they call upon um, one of the oldest consuls, father 
of the Senate. Um, turns out that it's Lucius Aemilius. Ah. Oh, this daddy. Convenient, yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, look, I'm pro this. I really think this land reallotment is a good thing, should be done. No reason why um, the things that are public should... They belong to everybody, not just a few. I'm hearing strains of Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. And technically, I mean, technically speaking, I know this is going back quite a while now, but technically they've already agreed to do this. It's just a matter of doing it, isn't it? They have. Yeah. But the argument so far thrown up in obstacle to that yeah, has yeah, been, yeah. well, that was one set of consoles. Exactly. And now yeah. we're in another year. It's a new set of consoles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like you have to renegotiate the exactly. agreement yeah, over yeah, and yeah. over again yeah. every year before it can happen. I guess we can sort of see, though, why there might be more senators, like, what well, patricians, let's be honest. Um, there might be more patricians that are open to it because it just has been such a feature for so long that potentially you are going to get people who start to go, well. And also, if you're not one of the patricians who's occupying the public land illegally, then again, like th- that would be allowing your rival to have more you know, power and resources potentially over you. And this is where I think we start to see the, yeah. the factions start to emerge. Totally, yeah. Because Emilius's argument seems to be mostly like, if you're not on public land, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what Appius, that, That's what Livy. When Appius, when Livy talks about Appius's trial, he does talk about representing those that are on the public land. That's clearly not everybody. It's not every patrician necessarily. I mean, we can't be sure, but it doesn't seem likely. It seems like it's a select group of people who've snatched this land. A very select group. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So. Again, I can see it. It would be in their interest to get these people kicked off the goddamn land. <laughs> yeah, and we have this moment that comes up in um, Emilius's speech where he says, look, the precarity of this situation is a problem because mm. it's going to lead to more inter- intergenerational feuding. So we mm. need to resolve it. Yeah. Um, you can see that it's ongoing. And... He's Agreed, like, Patricia. <laughs> and he's like, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't just try, just get this off the table and make sure it's done. Yeah, exactly. And he sits down and everyone's like, oh, second speaker, Appius Claudius. Uh, let me guess. He says, Emilius is being too soft. But this isn't how things are done. You've got to be tough with these beans. You give them an inch, they take a mile. Even worse. Mm-hmm. Even worse. Okay. I mean, all of that plus, okay. I should say. Yeah. So he... Let's decimate the citizen body. <laughs> we don't even have to take them to war. No, that's right. Just organise them into groups. Uh, so he argues that the fact that the public audit hasn't already happened mm. is an indication that it's not seen as being in the public good. I disagree. I disagree, Appius. That's not the case at all. First point. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, mm. anybody um, who is on public land and shouldn't be really should just volunteer their details um, to the Senate and get themselves prosecuted according to the laws. So he does the old um, very uh, liberal thing of arguing for self-regulation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll well, take we care all of know it. how well that goes. Yeah, patricians, we take, we can take care of it. And it's like, are you on, are you on some public land? Fess up to your crimes. Get prosecuted. Deal with it and move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't need any of this outside involvement from the plebeians. Just makes yeah. it messy. Makes Keep it, it in house. Yeah. Keep it in house. Yeah, exactly. Um, even worse is the shift into the classic. Um, position that impoverished people are defective in character (gasps) not in situation so the reason why the plebeians 
are arguing for this is because they're crying poor. And the reason why they're crying poor is because it doesn't matter how much you look after them and how much they get to take home at the end of the battle, they just don't know how to look after themselves because they suck. If you'll excuse me, I'm just going to pick my drawer up off the floor. Okay. Ah, 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 ah. Oh yeah. my God. To quote, their poverty is not inherent in their condition in life, but in their character. And oh not only my mo- God. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. So offering them a small portion of public land is not going to solve their problem because they're the problem. Ooh, wow. Wow, I can't believe... No wonder they hate this guy's guts. I hate this guy's guts. I know, oh my lord. It's like, it really is like, like echoes of Trump through the ages. <laughs> wow. I think this is a good indication that conservative arguments are always the same. Yeah, absolutely. And we really should have better counter-arguments to them by now. Well, I mean, we, we, you know, we, we can point out that, okay, so Livy and Dionysius, sure, they're writing, you know, 400 years or so after these events took place... But nonetheless, like if you compare it to our politicians, it's just like, Jesus Christ, would you people like beat a different drum? No, <laughs> no, because it's a very successful drum. That's, yeah. that's clearly what's going on here. Yeah. And by trashing the character of the plebeians in front of the Senate, he does precisely what he needs to do to secure their support. The Senate is really on board with him after this speech. Of course they are, because then they can go, oh yeah, you're right, we can just wipe our hands with the whole <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, that's right, it's not our fault. I guess it's one of those things, and this is probably getting a little off, off, uh, off the beaten track, but nonetheless, I think it is an important question to address. I think the thing is, and, and we have highlighted this before, it's not like all the plebeians are necessarily poor. We know that that's not the case at all. However, we do know that a lot of them probably aren't, you know, that, that well off financially, and hence the, the disagreements and the disappointments and whatever over the years. And it is one of those things where if you are actually going to try and give them a fair shot, it takes time and it does take investment and it does take handing resources over and that kind of stuff and it's not going to be a quick fix like you're not going to give them this land and then hey presto they're as intelligent and rhetorically gifted as a member of the upper classes because they haven't had that training and that background you've got to give it to them in the first place and then let things take root and allow opportunities to open up to everybody and that takes time and that's the problem because they can say, you know, they can say these kinds of things because in the short term, it seems like what they're saying is right. But if you think about it, it's so flawed and so frustrating. And also this is their base for expansion and yeah. they're very interested in maintaining their position and expanding their position. And totally. it's like, if you're not going to look after the people at the bottom who are doing the grunt work for this, I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Really don't. But again, <laughs> short term, they're fixated on, well, we want the land and we want the land now. <laughs> don't take it from us. <laughs> I'm sitting on some land and I don't want to give it up. <laughs> exactly. And again, totally how politicians generally are now because they can see the short term investment interests and they can't be asked to make the smarter long term decision they're only concerned about the short term. Well, it's yeah. self-interest. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all I read in Appius's and speech. And to be fair, given the Roman system, they're probably also interested in the long term because, after all, it's not like it's not like they're going to be voted out of office. I'm getting a bit 
presentist. <laughs> it will come yeah. as no surprise to you that the tribunes are quite mad. And this, at this is when point. they decide they're going to charge him. This yeah. is the point where they decide to Book go after Dano. him. They're like, yeah. we trusted you. I don't know why they thought this was going to be. They actually said that? Well, they trusted the consuls who went into oh, the Senate. Right. And, okay. And yeah. so uh, they're like, all right, we've got to bring him to trial. Yeah. Classic moment. Um, they've got a few things that they want to charge him with. Mm-hmm. Um, springing mischievous opinions against the populace <laughs> and introducing sedition into the state. True. I think that's true. <laughs> they accuse him Guilty. of... Guilty. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Yeah. That last speech is anything to go by. <laughs> Second of all, he had laid hands on a tribune contrary <gasps> to the sacred laws. When did he do that? I didn't see... Wait, I know, right? When did he do that? I just snuck that one in. Yeah. I, I suppose if a tribune says they've been touched... Uh... <laughs> Show me yeah. on the dial where he touched you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you've got to come forward with an accusation like that. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to... Uh, I believe the tribune. Yeah, well, yeah, but I just... Hashtag I, me too. <laughs> I just can't believe that that hasn't actually been, you know, explicitly mentioned or in either of our accounts. Yeah, look, yeah. I, I mean, it's just come out of nowhere. And, the, and you know what? Sorry. Yeah. I bet it happened during the brawl. I <laughs> In bet, the street. I yeah. bet it happened then. Yeah. Quite, quite possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did somebody touch Bolero? I think somebody did. <laughs> and thirdly. It's just so hot. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, that having taken command of the army, he had returned home with great loss and disgrace. Which Ooh, okay. fascinating, fascinating attempt at a charge because I feel like this is the same one that they pulled against Sevilius a few years ago and it really didn't work out for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, you lost. You totally lost. And when you think about how Appius lost, you're like, well... I think we can safely say with him, it's not actually a lack of generalship. He he actually tried literally everything to get them to go along with the, you know, what he was ordering them to do and they just wouldn't. So yeah, I agree with you. Shaky foundation (laughs) for that one. Definitely. Yeah. And so this all blows up. Um... The patricians obviously resent the fact that charges are being leveled against their fave. Uh, Totally. In my account, the patricians try their very, very hardest to defend Appius. They're going Coriolanus Coriolanus level to defend Appius, who is their champion. Yeah. Appius comes out hard. He says he would rather die a thousand deaths than cling to the knees of any man. (laughs) So he's like, I'm not going to beg. Grudgingly, I have to admire his drama. (laughs) So he does that. Um, And his friends sort of pull him aside and are like, dude, maybe you should face this stuff and and just like play it out. And he, he refuses. Um, he says he's not going to change his nature. He's no. not going to change his dress. No. He's not going to alter his the haughtiness of his looks, no. which I, which apparently <laughs> is a positive, um, or anything about his proud spirit. He no. will remain unbent. He's very much like someone in a Jerry Springer right now. Yeah. You don't know me. You don't know me. Hate is going to hate. Yeah. And then, yeah. plot twist. Ooh, okay. I'm waiting for this one. Um, he kills himself. What? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop track right there. The track up. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> what is going on? He kills himself? Yep. Whoa. He sees the whole city is intent upon his trial and on tiptoe with expectation. And with only a few days left before the trial begins, he made away with himself. Wow. And when they say he made away with himself, that's a euphemism because... Because um, I circled it and I was like, what? What, what? Yeah. Because um, it turns out that then his brody is brought into the forum 
Wow. And his son goes to the tribunes on the consoles and says, can we assemble the people and can I deliver a eulogy over my father's body? Yeah, yeah. It's in the forum. Totally. And they're all like, no. Yeah. No, they, oh, wow. Okay. The reason why I'm acting so surprised is not because Livy is like, Appius lives a long and happy life. It's because Appius doesn't mention the suicide. He, oh, Livy doesn't mention the suicide at all. No, Livy doesn't wow. mention it. He, he says that the because Appius is so freaking fierce, girlfriend, um, that his trial is adjourned and that before they can actually you know bring it back again, he is seized with a disorder and dies. Oh, well, so that's it, convenient. Exactly. It makes it seem very natural. So that's why I was surprised. I, I was waiting for you to say that he just, you know, like dropped out of a heart attack, you know, or played. <laughs> Got stung by a bee. Turns out he's allergic. Yeah, exactly. Awkward yeah. times. Had a nut, whatever. But yeah, that's crazy. I do, I do have the account, though, about the, um, the tribunes trying to stop, like, an honorific funeral. Yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, with this um, sense of which... According to Dionysius, he does away with himself. I yeah. was like, okay, is this some sort of attempt to preserve familial honor because he's got it on good word that he's not going to get through this trial? Mm. Like, every, there's a there is a case for some of this stuff. Well, it's actually it's not too long ago that we've seen this kind of thing happen. After all, I mean, it's only a couple of years ago that we had Menenius. Ah, uh, Menenius. Is he <laughs> striving for some old school weirdness? Yeah, yeah. Um, knowing him, <laughs> is he taking the martyr approach anachronistic style? Because we don't have martyrs yet in history. <laughs> Maybe it's a combination. Mm, or yeah. is it the case that actually, when he was introduced as a as a figure, he really did not want to go into politics, and this is the yeah. moment that breaks him personally. It's just so random because he is so crazy fierce. The way he's like, I'm not going to change anything about myself. I like me. I love me. I'm great. It's, yeah, see, you know what? I, I, I know de- you're, you're not going to like this. You're not going to like this. But I kind of feel like Livy's is more in keeping with, like him just dying suddenly is more in keeping with everything. It just seems weird that he would turn around after all of this. And commit suicide. I certainly think there's some questions to be raised over all of Dionysius' narrative that we've covered in this particular episode. Excellent. Um, uh-huh. And yeah. also, this seems like that if Dionysius is offering us any information that might be correct, he also suggests that this is a tribunition veto moment, which would have to be one of the first instances of a tribunition veto. I have to say, that's kind of the impression that I get in Livy as well, though, because it's definitely the tribunes that seem to be trying to stop an honorific funeral from going forth because, you know, he's a douchebag. And it's the plebeians that don't allow this. I was going to say, because yeah. then you get the additional twist. Yeah. Wait for it. Yeah. Tribunitians use their veto. And yeah. the people are like, no, we want to listen to the eulogy. <laughs> uh, we like a bit of, you know, rhetoric yeah. on Sunday. Yeah bring, yeah, bring the sun back. It doesn't seem right for the guy I mean, to not well, have a funeral. In my account, it's because they just, yeah, they acknowledge that he is too great a man to not have yeah, the proper rights and honor and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it does seem very weird. <laughs> I'm pulling my worst. Oh, I can't believe it's that no, face. You know what? <laughs> it's no wonder. Sometimes I get a little down on the tribunes because I think they're not doing their job enough, yada, yada. However, I actually, I can see why you would be that way as a tribune when you're the plebeians do something like this. You're like, oh, come on. <laughs> I've been fighting for you and fighting for you and fighting for you. And now you turn around and do this for Guys. this guy? Come on. <laughs> We were trying really hard. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, frustrating end. But yeah, it is a bit of a twist that Appius just ends there after so much anger and angst. Yeah, look, and I yeah. think this might be the time where we end as I well, agree, actually. I agree. And Dr. G, you know what that means. It's time for me to get Igor out of his cage and talk about... 
special pick. Alrighty then. So this is the segment where we get to rate the Romans' performance. There is a grand total of 50 golden eagles up for grabs. Dr. G, what's our first category today? Military cloud. Ooh. That's a tough one. Well, it's 50-50, isn't it? I mean, one of them did great. Yeah. And the other one did abysmally really, really badly. badly. Yeah. Okay, so I guess we have to go, what, like five? Yeah. Yeah, okay, Half five. marks. All right. Nice. Five. Uh, yeah. The greatest amount of booty ever achieved. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. You kind of got that. Versus decimation. <laughs> oh. You Pretty win some, you lose some. Yeah, okay. So you got five. Excellent. I'm with you. And then for our second category, we have diplomacy. Ooh. Okay. Well, hmm. Ever the diplomat. There's definitely no <laughs> external diplomacy to speak of because it's warfare. The opposite of diplomacy. <laughs> Minus uh, eagles. In terms of internal diplomacy, though, do we want to say anything about that? Well, I feel like the tribunes tried. It didn't really work out for them. Yeah. Um, the patricians, well, I mean, you have one who's arguing for land reallotment one who's arguing very much against land reallotment, mm. and the Senate going along with the second. Yeah, I mean... I feel like there's not a lot of diplomacy. On the other hand... Yes. <laughs> Something's struck you, I can tell. <laughs> well, and then I'm like, oh, wait, but what about being able to vote in the Comitia Tributa? And I was like, no, no. That was the previous episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that is true. I, I Can't win it, points for that one, guys. I think... But, yeah, but, yeah. I'm going to give them one, maybe. Yeah, I feel like there is some discussion, but they're not really getting very far with it in any direction. So, yeah, I think it's got to be something fairly low. Okay, so we've got a one. Excellent. All right, it, what's our next category? Expansion. There is not really any. <laughs> no, so that would be a zero. We're to us. Ooh, okay. Now, this depends on whether we believe Daffy has killed himself or not, and <laughs> how we interpret that, I think. If he killed himself for his own honour... What a nobleman he is. Well, see, and the thing is, as much as, as usual, even though we totally talk about what a dickhead he is, he is actually technically showing Wirtus by Roman standards, which is what we have to judge this by. Come on, Dr. G, stop scowling. <laughs> Turn that frown upside down. Um, so I think both Quintus and Appius are displaying Wirtus of a kind. Yes, yeah. there are different ways of displaying Wirtus. Um, yeah. Quintius does it by being a great guy yeah. who everybody wants to follow exactly. into battle. Appius Claudius does it by holding his position firmly yeah. and holding on to... And not making any concessions whatsoever. Yes, <laughs> um, but the position that he takes is the highly traditional Roman yeah. patrician position. Yeah. So he feels validated and people agree with him, so it seems to be working. Mm. So by that measure, I don't want to give him too many points because Ugh, what a what an idiot. I know, but, but yeah. <laughs> but we're probably sitting at about a six, I suppose. I think gonna say a seven. Ooh, wow. Well, just because, you know, like as I say, technically they are, and both of them together. We've got a lot of talk about, you know, they, their behaviour and their characters and that sort of thing. Yes, but now I'll put aside my prejudices. Thank you, thank you. I like it. Okay. Alright. Final um, category. The final category is the citizen score. Oh, again, I feel like this is going to be very tortured because <laughs> we've got, on the one hand, the last thing we were talking about where the plebeians are like, no, no, give him a funeral. <laughs> um, and, but on the other hand, we have got them being poorly treated whilst they're serving under Appius. On the other hand, we've got them being super happy with Quintius. So many hands. 
I've got, I've got too many hands. I'm juggling too much. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you've grown extra limbs. Yeah. Um, so I would say that the situation with the citizens, with the two armies, balances each other out. So okay. then you're at 50 again. Yeah. And then the citizens actually going against the tribunes. I don't know what to make of that, really. No. I, feel, I feel like it says something positive for them, but it doesn't do them any political favours. And it doesn't really reflect their well-being at this point in time. I don't think so. No. So, um, so why would you go back to the guy who decimated you? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so maybe a four? Okay, yeah. I think a four is, sounds, sounds safe. Which means, Dr. G, that we have got a grand total of 17 golden eagles for Rome today. Once again, Rome fails the test. <laughs> So, I mean, getting to 25 would be amazing at this point in history, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I we're feel falling like, short. I feel like we're not too far off it, though. We are <laughs> making progress. We're, we're about to enter the 460s, Dr. G. Mm, yes. Exciting times ahead. Indeed. So stay tuned next time for the next episode of The Partial Historians.